And time now for another Wednesdays with Walton. Brian Walton from thecardinalnation.com joining us here on the Scoops Network. It's presented by Ascension Charity Classic and Lou Fuse. Brian Walton with me. In fact, we're at Ballpark Village, site of the winter warm-up. First year they brought it over to Bush Stadium and Ballpark Village. I think for the fans, and maybe the layout's more spread out, but it's way less antiseptic than being at a hotel. I mean, I think it gives them more of a baseball feel by being in the stadium. Absolutely, here at the ballpark, and the weather cooperated, which was nice because there was some outside going back and forth. But the players were spread out among half a dozen different locales where they could sign, and that allowed the fans to move about and for everybody to get a little more spread out experience than before we were really jammed tight in a hotel. And it does seem, if you're walking around, and I'm all for the hotels doing business, I'm all for commerce in downtown, Brian, but when a fan can walk into the stadium, in the middle of January. That typically doesn't happen, that kind of access. That's right, and they added this year uh, tours of the clubhouse. Uh, the Hall of Fame and Museum were open. So the fans really got, you know, before it was six blocks away or wherever when it was over at the Hyatt. So this way fans could, you know, move back and forth between the live action and take a clubhouse tour or go look at the plaques or, or tour the museum because it's all a part of the experience. What a great opportunity for a guy like yourself, too, who writes about some of these prospects, younger players, to, to hear them, to see them, kind of be in front of them. Let's roll through uh, some of these. And, and Graceffo's a name that just – did it sneak up on us at all? I know he had a great season a year ago, but I don't know that we were always talking about him. Michael McGreevy called Graceffo the steal of the 2021 draft, and he's absolutely right. This is a guy that pitched for Villanova, so East Coast, you know, not in the traditional – baseball hotbeds, uh, fifth rounder. But what Gordon Graceffo did after his senior year, he went and pitched again in summer, summer ball to stay in shape and to, in those showcases to show himself even better. And, and he came in at 210 when he was signed last winter. A year ago, he went up to 230, uh, which not only built muscle mass, and he said it was by eating and exercising and lifting and light running, but he also gained velocity. And for Gordon Graceffo, that additional velocity is what enabled him to become the pitcher of the year for the Cardinals system. And so he comes to the minor leagues, what, with an outside chance of making it? Is that, is that fair or is that overstating it? I would say he wouldn't have a chance of making the team, but I would have said that last year about Andre Pallante, and we saw what happened. So, you know, you can't say never. Certainly Gordon Graceffo is the top prospect closest to the major leagues that hasn't reached there. He spent most of 2022 at AA Springfield, did exceptionally well, so he's probably going to start in AAA, but, you know, you never know what will happen in the spring. Let's go to McGreevy because you mentioned him. What did you see and hear from him? McGreevy, um, interestingly, was a first-rounder that year, but he's sort of taken almost a backseat to Graceffo because Graceffo has been that good, and these two are, are good friends, and they really push each other. Uh, McGreevy used the term steel hardened steel where really the two of them have this competition but friendship. And the way the rotation worked, uh, McGreevy would pitch the day before Graceffo, so then they'd huddle up and talk about the hitters and talk about the experiences. And when at Springfield, it switched the other way around. So these two have really intertwined their careers. McGreevy's working on his changeup, trying to get his changeup much sharper. He said that pitch was terrible in college, but when he became a pro, all of a sudden it came around. And that's been a different maker for him. He's got four pitches. The Cardinals would like to see a little more velocity out of Michael McGreevy. But he's a guy that um, certainly is going to be one step behind and probably one of the guys that we'll see in St. Louis in 2024 for sure. And, you know, as you know, that rotation is going to be really unsettled at that time. So these young guys are looking forward, not just at this year, but how do I position myself for 24 when there are going to be bona fide rotation spots available? All right, let's stick with pitching. Let's go to Thomas next. Yeah, Connor Thomas was a guy that, frankly, I thought was he's a left-hander, uh, not big, I thought he was going to make St. Louis last year as a receiver. I thought he was going to be kind of the Zach Thompson last year before Zach Thompson became Zach Thompson. 
Uh, Connor Thomas struggled in the Memphis rotation, really didn't pitch well. And as the summer went on, his ERAs went higher and higher and higher. And I'm thinking, why did they send him to the Arizona Fall League? But he was due for a 40-man roster question with Rule 5 draft, and they wanted to have one last shot. Okay, is Connor Thomas a guy that we want to protect, or is he a guy that we're willing to risk let go? And Connor Thomas, back in spring training of 2022, uh, Mike Maddox said, hey, have you thought about uh, throwing a cutter, throwing a cut fastball? And it, nothing really became of it. He tried it in the summer, Connor Thomas. Didn't really work out for him. A chance conversation with Jason Isringhausen said, hey, maybe if you grip it this way instead of that way, you'll have some success. And that became a springboard for him when he went to the Arizona Fall League. But interestingly enough, Connor Thomas said the cutter wasn't the number one, wasn't plan A. Plan A was simply get ahead of hitters. Dominate, don't pitch scared. Because for him, he said, when I got kind of behind the curve in Memphis, I started to pitch scared. I started to be tentative, and that wasn't his game. So the fact that this cutter came along was kind of a one-two punch, and Connor Thomas was the pitcher of the year in the Arizona Fall League. So he's coming to camp. He's probably not going to make the rotation, but the question is, will they have him continue to start in Memphis, or will they do the bullpen thing? Because the left-handed side of the pen, as as we know, is still a little unsettled. You and I have talked about prospects who – are highly heralded and talked about, and then we just kind of forget about and move on. I think Matthew Libertor is interesting because when he came over, I know it was the Arozarena trade, and I think Joe Buck even said during the World Series when Arozarena's going nutsy, boy, boy, this Libertor better be good. And I guess he does kind of carry that pressure. He's still really young. What, what do you see from him coming up this year? 2022 was a learning experience for Matthew Libertor, and he'll say that. It was hard for him to handle, he said, that, to handle this adjustment from Memphis to St. Louis, pitching every fifth day to not knowing when he's going to pitch, spot start here. And, but he said it wasn't his stuff. You know, and we talked to these ballplayers. They're all tremendous athletes. They're the top half a percent of athletes in the whole world. But it's the mental part. And for Libertor, he wasn't ready mentally yet. And he said one of the things that he's working on this winter is to establish a bulldog mentality. Because I've heard scouts, people talk, say maybe Libertor is not as tough upstairs as he needs to be to be successful. And that's something that Libertor recognizes. And he said that confidence and comfort go hand in hand. So he's going to come to camp and try to be a much more confident, aggressive pitcher. And he's going to get opportunity because the World Baseball Classic, of course, we know two of the starters, uh, Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis, will be away from the team. So all these young guys are thinking, hey, maybe I'll get a chance to start. But then there's guys like Verhagen who are, who've been around a while who are looking for those opportunities too. So it should be a very, very competitive spring camp. And Libertor's lefty, I always say. And he's a lefty because I always – those guys – Nine lives, right, man. Yeah, nine no, lives. Uh, and let's close out the pitching with Walsh. Yeah. Um, Jake Walsh is a guy that folks have kind of forgotten about. He got added to the 40-man a year ago, um, got hurt. He strained his MCL last summer, and uh, they did the stem cell injection to try to get him healthy. Uh, didn't work out. He had to, to basically um, – rehab rest and rehab through the fall i asked him what his velocity is because he this is a guy that can you know another guy that can hit upper 90s 100 jake wall said he was up to 96 97 just in jupiter working out he's working on long toss he's going to come to camp and jake walsh is a guy who got a brief cup of coffee last year before he got hurt but we're going to see more of him in the bullpen mix this year in st louis no doubt about it wednesdays with walton it's brian walton here on the scoops network he is with thecardinalnation.com. I got the name right this way. I didn't screw it up. Thecardinalnation.com. You go to that website, there is just a plethora of Cardinals material. This is brought to you by our friends at Lordo's Diamonds and Hair Saloon for Men. Let's talk hitters. I'll jump right into it. Jordan Walker, so much hype, so much talk. What strikes me always about him is how big he is, but how mature he sounds for being so young. You know, it's an interesting thing about Jordan Walker. 
he said that you know, we asked him, hey, what's it like to always be younger than the average players in your league? I think he was three years younger than the average player in the AA this year, for example. He said, hey, I always played young. I was always one or two years young, even as a kid. So this isn't a new thing to me. But you talked about his demeanor. Jordan Walker is really kind of an aw shucks guy. He's not, he says he's not letting anything, any of this get to him. And he seems to be able to handle the pressure early on because everybody knew Jordan Walker is 6'5", 230. When he comes into a room, I mean, you pay attention. Uh, uh, just a tremendous ball player in all aspects of the game. Uh, he's a power hitter, but he focuses on contact. He wants to not strike out. He wants to have contact with the ball. Very good base runner. Very deceiving base runner. Had 20 stolen bases this last year at AA. And we're talking about a guy, again, 6'5", 230. And he credits his friend Mason Wynn as, being, as helping him with his running game. He says, I kind of sneak up on him. But I think he's being modest. And then to do what Jordan Walker did during the season, to, trans, to move from third base to the outfield during the season without a, a skip, and led the system in assists from the outfield with 10 assists. So sure, yeah, the other guys may have been testing his arm early, but as a third baseman, Jordan Walker had a great arm, and as a right fielder, he has a very, very strong arm as well. It's funny how these guys do get lumped together. So Mason Wynn, part of his draft class. You and I, when we talk Walker, we end up talking about Wynn, but it does seem like they've maybe even bonded a little bit. It's, it's interesting how draft classes sort of bond. Yeah, they started out, you know, these players here in the U.S. are on the showcase circuits when they're young, and so Walker... Uh, Wynn and Tink Hens all met when they were 15, 16 years old. And so they played in these travel teams either on the same teams or against one another. And Mason Wynn, of course, a very different type of player than Jordan Walker, but the two are good friends. And Mason Wynn also went to the Arizona Fall League, as did Jordan Walker, uh, as did Connor Thomas, as did, as did Tink Hens. Uh, Cardinals had, again, another very, very strong contingent down there. But Mason Wynn said that he's tried to gain a little weight over the winter. He's not going crazy. He's talking about 180, 185. So he's, you know, he's not going to muscle up, but he wants to have a little more thump in his bat because defensively, Mason Wynn is probably ready to play Major League shortstop today. The bat is good, but not great yet, and he probably needs another year at AAA. And one of the things that he said was that he gives a lot of credit to Jose Akendo to help, have helped him defensively with his range and his lateral movement uh, because he's such a great athlete. You know, he can get to just about any ball, and when he gets to it, we saw you know, in the, in the – uh, uh, futures game, what he can do when he uncorks a throw. So, uh, but Mason Wynn made the statement in his uh, discussion with us the other day, hey, I want to ensure that I'm ready when I'm called up to Major League Baseball. He didn't say, I want to be there tomorrow. He says, I want to continue to develop myself because last year was my first full year playing shortstop. Folks may remember that he was drafted as a two-way player, pitcher and hitter. And, you know, it's just difficult for a guy to progress through the minor leagues at the same pace when you're trying to do those two jobs. And it would be wonderful to have a Shohei Otani the Cardinals realized, hey, we want to get this kid to the major leagues more quickly, and so they put the pitching aside. But when, if he could, he would still love to pitch. I'm glad you mentioned Tink Hens because I rattled through all of these pitchers. I'm like, wait a minute, I forgot somebody. And, again, he's part of that class. Uh, what did you see and hear from Tink Hens? Tink Hens, the big question with him is, you know, he's a very slight of build young man, and he was limited in his pitching. He pitched one, two innings in extended spring when he finally joined Palm Beach he went to three and then finally four but was capped about 60 or 65 pitches you say gee you know, this guy's drafted in 2020 you'd like to see him when can he handle a full starters workload and it looks like he's going to still be ramped up a little bit in 2023 as well but he set a goal that hey I want to be able to pitch twice a week uh, the way the minor league schedules are set uh, teams play six games six game series in the course of a week and Tance only started once every week 
He'd like to become, you know, stretch out his innings more, uh, gain more experience. He said for him going to the AFL was great confidence as a young guy, 20 years old, pitching against these major league ready hitters. But also he appreciated the confidence the organization showed in him because very unusual for a low A ball player to go to the Arizona Fall League. And that just shows you what everybody thinks about Tank Hans, who's, by the way, has now started to appear on national top 100 prospect list. And how about behind the plate, Yvonne Herrera, again, a guy who got the early call-up last year, maybe wasn't ready, but you get the sense organizationally, even with Contreras, they still need some catching coming up through the pipeline. Yeah, Yvonne Herrera was a guy that had an opportunity last year, and when he was called up, you know, had he really taken it by storm, you know, the Cardinals might have played the catching market differently this winter, but that wasn't the case. And so, you know, Herrera's going to get some more time to develop. Um, unfortunately, for the Cardinals, he's not going to be in spring training during the WPC time. Uh, he's going to play for Panama, and, and I should say that that isn't a selfish move. Um, these players, the nationalism that these that these players in this country have, have huge, and it's a great honor for a young man like Yvonne Herrera to play for his country, Panama. And, well, let's be realistic. Panama's probably not going to make it to the finals of the WBC, and so he'll be back in camp soon enough after they're eliminated anyway. But it does, um, you know, it does slow down his progress in terms of working with Contreras and working with the pitchers. Um, what Herrera said he's working on this winter, in the past he'd worked on weights. You know, he's, he's muscled up. He's pretty good, stocky body for a catcher. But this year he's working on more mobility, um, more agility, and even said, hey, he hopes to seal a few bases. So we'll see Herrera probably back at AAA. But when the f first injury comes, you know, hopefully that won't happen soon, but we know during the course of the year, you know, Herrera will be that next man up on the catching side. And one last name that we did see last year, Alec Burleson, <clears throat> excuse me, late in the year called up. When we talk about all the outfielders, those in the mix, we, I, his name doesn't seem to come up a lot. Is he, even though he made it to the big league, still kind of below the radar? Yeah, he really is and had a great, great season, Alec Burleson, in AAA. Uh, batting champion in the International League, the first batting champion the Cardinals have ever had, the Memphis has ever had in the International League, batting 323. Um, doesn't have the prototypical power that you'd like from a corner outfielder, good average guy. And he bats from the left side. And one of the things John Mozalak said during winter warm-up is, hey, they looked at trying to bring in an experienced left-handed bat, but the guys that were there either didn't see a role because of some of these young players or they weren't necessarily much better than the guys they have. Uh, Alec Burleson drew an interesting analogy. He came up to Memphis briefly at the end of the 2021 season, and he said that having that experience, knowing that level, helped him prepare the next year to have that breakout year in 2022. So he drew the parallel, hey, I got to come up to St. Louis at the end of 2022. That's going to prepare me for 2023. I'm going to come to camp, and I'm going to fight for a job. Brian Walton, vcardinalnation.com. I imagine a lot of great material either there now or in the coming weeks, just kind of previewing what's ahead. Absolutely. In fact, you can hear every one of the media articles, the interviews that occurred during the course of winter warm-up at the Cardinal Nation, or you can read my synopsis. I summarized them in a few paragraphs if you don't want to spend the time to listen to them, and that's all free, so stop on by. Yeah, a lot of great material, some for the subscribers, and then also a lot of free material on, the, on your site. And some of it historical, too. They can go back and look at, if you're really into studying prospects, you can go back and see who was in the top 10 five years ago, et cetera. Absolutely. Uh, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now, and uh, it's really a labor of love. Our focus is the minor leagues, but we certainly stay with the major leagues and be able to provide that end-to-end -end support. And uh, I think you'll find, if you decide to subscribe, that you'll uh, see that it's well worth your money. Wednesdays with Walton right here on the Scoops Network. I'm Martin Kilcoin. This segment brought to you by Ascension Charity Classic, Lou Fuse, Lordo's Diamonds, and Hair Saloon for Men.